Hey, and welcome to the podcast. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to go over a couple videos I recently made on some of my social media channels. Um, and those videos were in, gar- in regards to top three reasons for why I like new home construction so much, two, Airbnb versus long-term rentals, and three, the best areas to do Airbnb in. And the reason I'm going to make this podcast is because those videos that I made on on social media were pretty short and pretty quick. So in here, I'll kind of go over some more detailed explanations as to a lot of my reasons and some of the different details that was in there. So um, starting with the top three reasons why I like new home construction so much. The first reason is because builders are willing to negotiate price cuts with buyers. And I think that's really important because let's say you're buying a house from a builder for $350,000. It's a lot of money. It's the biggest purchase a lot of people are ever going to make in their life. So with that being said, being able to negotiate the builder down five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, that right there could help save a few hundred bucks a month in a customer's, po- in a customer's pocket. Um, the second reason is because builders are always willing to negotiate prepaid costs and closing costs with buyer. These usually equate to about 3% of the total purchase price of a house. It's a lot of money. It's $10,000, $15,000 that's going towards the closing costs and the prepaid costs of the house. That's not your down payment. That's not your earnest money deposit. That's just the prepaid costs and the closing costs. And that throws a lot of buyers off sometime. But the fact that builders are willing to negotiate those numbers down and cover a lot of those will keep thousands of dollars in buyers' pockets, in your pockets right there. So that's one of the things I always rep- I always recommend and represent to my buyers is we always want to negotiate that right there. The third thing is that when you buy a new home construction house, it comes with a lot of different warranties. You get a bumper-to-bumper warranty. The house has a structural warranty. The roof of the house comes with a usually a 25- to 50-year roof life warranty as well. Um And then in addition to that, all of your appliances, like your microwave, your refrigerator, your stove, all of those usually come with manufacturer warranties. And you want to make sure that they do because all your big brands like GE, Whirlpool, etc., they all offer usually a minimum of a one-year warranty on all of those products. So the reason I like the warranty so much is it's like buying a new car. First off, you know nothing's going to go wrong or nothing's going to break, but In the event that something does go wrong, it's really nice knowing that you're covered by the builder's warranty. So um, those are the top three reasons why I like new construction so much. A couple other things I like about is a lot of times you can pick out your lots. So like if you're moving into a new home construction development and they're building 200 houses, once you see where the lakes are, where the preserve and the wood line is going to be, It's nice that you can kind of go in and pick out where in that neighborhood you want to live. You don't always have that advantage in the secondary market. Um, Some other things that I like is it's just, it's it's really nice when you get a brand new house. It's like a brand new car. It smells good. It looks clean. No one's in there before. And not that you're not going to find, you can't find similar stuff on the secondary market, but I've always just really appreciated that new home smell and that new home feel to it. Um, not all not all areas of the country are doing a ton of new home construction. Um, it, it's really geographical in nature. Like the, the southeast and the Midwest is doing a lot of new home construction, but up in the northeast and other areas, you're not going to see as much new home construction as you would 
um, in, in some of the other areas of the country. Um, the next video that I had gone into on social media was what's better, Airbnb and short-term rentals or long-term rentals? And there's, there's pros and cons to both. Um, I, I personally really like Airbnb a lot just because you can really scale the amount of money that you make. But I've done long-term rentals and I'm currently doing a long-term rental right now to um, a, a couple, to a family. And um, they both have their advantages. They both have their disadvantages. Um, I gave, in, in the videos, I gave some specific examples to some specific properties and, and what each would do, whether it's long-term rentals or short-term rentals. But um, at the end of the day, there's more of a hassle with Airbnb. It's more of like a hotel service. You're going to do more work, but you're going to make more money. Um, you're going to be able to scale income if there's big events going on, sporting events, golfing events, fishing events, and you know that those local events are going on, you can charge more money on those nights right there. Um, versus a long-term rental, some of the benefits to a long-term rental is once you sign somebody up on a one-year lease, that's what they're there for. They're there for 12 months. They take care of most of the things by themselves. They seldomly have escalations so long as you know, you're bringing in the right type, type of tenants. And um, from that standpoint there, it's really easy. They pay you once a month. You collect 12 checks a year, and it's, it's pretty simple. But again, you're not going to make as, money, as much money as you would on Airbnb and doing other forms of short-term rentals through different apps or if you're just finding the renters yourself. But um, I do both. Um, I personally like Airbnb and short-term rentals more, but um, I- I'm not really against either or. I, I like them both a lot. Um, and then the last video that I had put out on social media was the best areas to do Airbnb in. And this is something that's really important is that if you are going to get into short-term rentals or Airbnbs, that you do your due diligence first, you do your research, you do your homework prior to getting into Airbnb because not all areas are great for Airbnb. Here in Jacksonville, where I'm currently living, I could tell you the best zip codes to go to Airbnb in. It would be Amelia Ferdinina, Ponte Vedra, St. Augustine, then the St. John's Town Center, and then probably Riverdale after that. And that's based off AirDNA data, data that's extracted and pulled out by AirDNA.co. So there's a lot of other zip codes in Jacksonville that I would not necessarily do Airbnb in just because the data is not all that good in those areas. And when I talk about data, the data that I'm speaking to is what do occupancy rates look like on average per month? And what does the average income nightly, what's the average nightly income earned uh, when somebody books a stay? So those, t- those are the two pieces of data that I really look into prior to getting a property for Airbnb. Um, I recently got an Airbnb down in South Florida in Port St. Lucie. And when I, um, it's an area that I've done Airbnb in, in the past. And recently when I looked at what the, what super hosts were currently doing in that development, in that neighborhood, um, I bought a duplex. So other super, super hosts in the area have a duplex. Their A side usually yields about 200 to $250 a night. Their B side, the smaller side, usually yields between $100 to $150 a night. So you combine that together, you know, you'll get six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month, as long as you know the the next thing is that's what you. So it's important to know that's what you would get if you have a good occupancy rate of eighty percent, ninety percent. So another thing that I look at is of those super hosts, 
How booked and filled are they? And in that area and in that neighborhood that I got an Airbnb at, those super hosts are booked 70%, 80%, 90% of the time. So because of that research and that data, I'm confident going in there and doing Airbnb that that's what I'll make five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month on that duplex that I got in Port St. Lucie on the PGA golf tour next to where the New York Mets do their spring training. Um, in addition to that, the, the next important thing when you're getting ready to go into Airbnb is looking at the areas, looking the zip codes, feeling out those local markets. But then after that, knowing what does it take to become a super host? Because once you become a super host, you rise in the Airbnb algorithm and more people see your property. So more people book your property. And really what it takes um, is providing hotel styled customer service. Good hotel style customer service, meaning when guests book and you reach out to them, you welcome them, you let them know that you're going to send them the Wi-Fi password, the code to the front door. When they check in, you ask them how their check-in went. If they call you because they've got a, a, a toilet that's getting clogged up, you get a handyman over there to take care of that. Um, then when they check out, you help check them out. You wish them a good time. You ask them for a good review. If you do that over and over again, you're going to get a lot of good reviews and then you're going to become a super host and then you're going to get more and more bookings and you're going to make more money. And that's really what it is when I'm talking about scaling income is getting your super host status so that you can scale income. So when you have those large events uh, here in Jacksonville, we have some really large golfing events, fishing events, the Jacksonville Jaguars play in town. When you have those large events going on, you increase your price by 5, 10, 15, 20% so that you make more money on those nights. So, um, that, those were the three things that I've gone over recently um, on some of my videos. Top three reasons why I like new home construction, Airbnb and short-term rentals versus long-term rentals, and um, best areas to do Airbnb in. Um, I also recently, um, I've been typing up my, my quarter one um, letter to all of my buyers and sellers who have ha- had real estate deals with um, that I'm getting ready to send out to them and um, you know had a, had a lot of good information on there. And um, one of the things I talked a lot about is in real estate, taking a long-term perspective and a long-term approach when buying. I'm selling too, but mostly when buying. And what I mean by that is buying can be very stressful for buyers because it's the largest purchase that they're ever going to make in their entire life. So understanding the historical perspective of real estate and real estate prices helps really put everything into place and keep everything in hindsight. Real estate prices tend to grow 3% to 5% every single year since 1900. So when you look at a chart from 1900, you see that real estate outside of a couple years continues to increase in value, continues to grow in value. And that right there really alleviates a lot of worry and eliminates a lot of indecisiveness because you can see on those historical charts that not only have values continue to grow, they're probably going to continue to increase in the future, which allows you to be a lot more calm and easy. So um, that's another thing that I spoke a lot about in um, my quarter one letter that I'm sending out to um, all of my buyers and sellers. So if you do hear this and you do want to get that letter, uh, my email is at the bottom of the description. So just shoot me an email and I'll attach you to that email list there. But um, it's about everything that I got for this podcast. Um, nothing other too much to speak about. Um, you know, I did go into some on the videos. I did go into some ex- specific examples of um, customers that I've helped. And I'll touch on one customer. Um, 
one of my customers, Devin, um, reached out to me, wanted to get involved in the real estate process, wanted to purchase his first house. So he decided to come out with me and view multiple developments. Um, we looked at some new home construction. We looked at some secondary houses. And I explained everything that was going on to him. And he did an excellent job of digesting all of that information, seeing multiple properties, and then making a purchase. So we were able to get all of his closing costs, all of his prepaid costs taken care of. We got his interest rate bought down to a 4.99. Um, we were able to get $10,000 taken off the price, all appliances, all security system, moved into the house for free. And in addition to that, we, we locked in his deal about 60 days ago. Um, we got the house. We bought it for about, um, let's say, we bought the house for about $315,000. And already in that neighborhood, 60 days later, they're reselling for $330,000, $335,000. So, um, you know, he, he came in, capitalized on a really good deal. And now he's seeing that as these new home construction neighborhoods begin to close out and begin to get towards 100% complete, the values of the homes continue to rise. Those resale values, when people sell those homes, continue to increase. So um, that was one example I touched on. Um, touched on a couple other examples there. But uh, like I said, that'll be about everything for the podcast. Appreciate you checking in. If you do have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out.